Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks Podcast. I can't even say podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Welcome to the podcast. The podcast. What's up, John? I'm the leprechaun, like from Wayne's World. That's going to be our new uh, sound effect right there. Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, bro. What is up? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I like our new setup here that we've done because it's easier for me to transition between podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why we didn't just go ahead and do this in the beginning because it really is easy. So Because I like to overthink. And it was fun <laughs> to be in this. It's, it's nice to be in the same room, but it's like, it's not much different. We're literally, yeah. we're one wall across from each other, you yeah, know? Exactly. If I touch my hand on the wall, I'm pretty sure your hand would be right there. We're probably yeah. touching hands like. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, John, let's do this thing. All right. Let's kick it. All right. When is the last time? Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Tell me a job that you were hired for, or maybe you got an offer to work at a company, but you never actually took the job. Okay. All right. I remember one. So I remember this one time back when I was freelance web designing. I had a client come to me and really wanted to work with me, and I really want to work with them. I like the client. But I quoted them like a super cheap, you know, WordPress website redesign. And when I got into looking at the backside of his website, it was built on some content, you know, CRM platform that integrated really well with his retailers and stuff. So I didn't want to change that nor take that on because I didn't feel like I could do it better than the CRM company that he was using. And so I remember I had to call that guy back and tell him, hey, man, I'm sorry, I'm not your guy. Oh, I know that was the first time that I ever did that. So that's kind of why it stands out. But it taught me a few things about one quoting. Make sure you ask all the right questions. So you're quoting apples to apples instead of apples to bananas, you know? Yeah, it's easy to like just say yes right out of the gate, especially if you feel confident that, oh, I've done it a thousand times. I can do it again. Exactly. And you got to remember that if you're quoting something that's routine for you, there may not fit into your routine, especially if it's a new client. You're going to be adapting what they're currently doing to your setup, you know, your workflow. Absolutely. This question, I don't know why this icebreaker question popped in my head this morning. I was driving to work and I was thinking about my experience at Apple and I was thinking like, oh, what would have happened if I didn't go the route like I went in life, you know, because like everything leads to the next thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And It's funny because, you know, kind of my background, my story, but like, so right out of Faith Recording Studio, it was like, okay, what next, right? Like, Oh, for both of us. (laughs) And so, I was applying for, at the time, I applied for Apple and Best Buy as like a car audio install tech. I actually remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I got job offers at both companies and I decided to go obviously the Apple route because it's Apple. Like, you know, you can't, 
I mean, sorry, Best Buy, but like you can always go to Best Buy. I think know? that that struggle was more internal than you think because I didn't know there was ever a, a question of Apple or Best Buy. I remember you applying to Best Buy, but I remember Apple was always number one. But maybe, it's Apple. yeah, yeah, maybe you were just devil advocating yourself. Like, do I really want this? You know? Yeah. So that, that was one that like stood out to me. The other one that stood out to me was my first kind of big. I don't even call it a big boy job. My first job out of high school when I moved to Tomball was Chick-fil-A. You might have remembered that. Oh, I was yeah. working for Chick-fil-A, you know, the early days of coming to Tomball. I remember I ate Chick-fil-A for free for a month straight because it was the <laughs> Christmas in July thing and they gave yeah. you a coupon every time you went, even if you used the coupon and you gave me a stack of coupons and I went to town, <laughs> buddy. I didn't pay for breakfast for a That's month. That's awesome, bro. Oh, man. I was the Chick-fil-A cow for those out there that are wondering. And I, I like to consider myself a legend because I rode the mechanical bull in a Chick-fil-A cow suit. I think that's pretty impressive. That's legendary, I would say. Yes. You know, I wish there was a video that would just loop forever. Right. In if TikTok eternity. was a thing back then, there'd be yeah, millions of them. Yeah, it would be viral. Yeah. I, mean, I would have been an influencer. <laughs> you may have even got fired for doing it, you know? That's <laughs> right. Yeah, that <laughs> would have been, been awesome. full circle. Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, when I was at Chick-fil-A, I was trying to figure out like what my next career path was going to be. And I actually applied for the Houston, it was the Harris County Sheriff's Office to be, I wanted to be a sheriff, but I applied to be a jailer because I was at an age where I couldn't go straight into the academy. I got you. So to give you a stepping stone into that. That's right. Yeah. If you were a jailer, you could go straight from the jailer program to the sheriff's academy. And everybody I talked to that was kind of like familiar with the sheriff's office said, hey, like you can work on school while you're there because you're going to be sitting in like a little pod. And I was like, oh, that like works out well. I can do college and whatever at the same time. But about the same exact time was when I was approached by my then investor, business mentor and friend Ah. to start Faith Recording Studios. Yeah. And it took like this dream that honestly I just had like in the back of my mind like of course, we were passionate about music, right? Like oh, all always. throughout school, that's all we were doing. Like, I think the first time we ever hung out, you recorded me because you wanted to be a producer. That's right. That's right. And like, it was probably in my apartment in Tomball upstairs with that Actually, like little. It was Joey gave me that Thunderbolt device, or was it before yes, that? It was before that. We went to a church somewhere off of seventeen seventy six. Oh, it was the old cowboy the church. Old cowboy church. Yes. Wow, that was the first place we ever recorded, and it was. I don't even think we had an interface. I, I don't think even know it was what I was like, recording on. I think it was quarter inch to like 3.5 oh. millimeter into... No, bro. It was the USB to quarter inch cable that like... Had, yes. Like, that was like all the thing That is what then. it was. You're right. That is what it was. Oh, wow. I knew it was something super simple. That's a flashback in the time, my friend. There's no way we have those recordings. <laughs> I have a drive that might be corrupted that they might be on, but I might be able to get them off. But it might That would be crazy. That was on my old fat Dell laptops. Yeah. I don't even know where those laptops are for sake. I have no idea where those laptops even went. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird how you lose things over time and you have no idea where they go. Right. Especially something like I lost a computer. Whole guitar. Oh, yeah. A computer, a guitar. <laughs> I know. We've talked about this guitar several times. I had it, but I gave it back. That's And then it disappeared. Guitar. Yeah. Because I felt bad. I thought I lost it for a long time. <laughs> I don't think you did. For anyone out there listening to the podcast, if you know me or John and you have seen a Washburn D10S in your collection. Or a black Kona. Or a black Kona. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Where's that guitar? (laughs) Yeah, or that one. We're missing two guitars, We're missing two. Oh, my God. 
Well, for those out there that know us, you might have one of our guitars. We would love you to bring it back. It's fine. I'll sign it for you. You can keep it. I'll oh, sign okay. it. You can keep it. Yeah, just, <laughs> I, I want to strum it one more time. That was my, both of those guitars were kind of my first guitars. It's sad that I don't still have them, but you know, such is life, such is life. But anyways, that icebreaker popped up in my head this morning because I was just thinking like, it's crazy how, like where life takes you, you know, and like the career paths you take and all that. Kind of retrospectively thinking, what if I had gone down a different road? I think we still would have ended up here. It's funny too. Like we always joke about the fact that like, although we're not producing music as much as we were then, we're producing podcasts. Like it came back to like our roots of what we're passionate about, which was like audio and that's crazy to me. So today we've got a fun topic. We are talking about online reviews. Online reviews are extremely important and I don't think everybody out there realizes just how important they are for your business's success, especially as it pertains to search engine optimization. Quick Stat for you guys, 93% of consumers read online reviews before visiting a business and 94% of all purchases are made for products with average ratings of four stars and above. That 94% of all purchases with the average rating of four or more, if I look at something and it's over three, okay, cool. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I don't think I ever think about that statistic. Like when I'm making a decision, other than the fact that like I know when I go to Amazon or anywhere else, if something does not have a certain threshold of number of reviews and a certain star of reviews. It's just like I'm automatically like dismissing it. It's like there's blinders on to that lower number. For me, oh, this is a scam if it's under three stars. It's a bait and switch. That's how I, I look at it. Like, eh, it's probably not going to be a very good quality or the shipping's going to take forever or something like that. Like, if there's not three or more stars, I have a hard time hitting buy unless I am desperate for the item and can't find it anywhere. Yeah, if it's like the only item in stock and you're like, um, I'm taking I a risk on this let one. Let me risk it, but I might order another one from somewhere else just on yeah, the that <laughs> doesn't show safe. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so online reviews, obviously, you're going to provide customers with a sneak peek of what your business is like before they ever step through your door. Like, that's the reason it's so important is like, if someone never gets the chance to know you or meet you or talk to you or hop on the phone or a Zoom call, all they have to go off of is your online presence. And that's a number of things. That's your website. That is your social presence. And I think most importantly, it's your reviews. I agree too, because if you think about your reviews, what you say about yourself, is it really that valid? Yes, it can be. But what other people say about you is what somebody's going to use as like a a deciding factor, I would think. What other people are saying about you is going to hold way more weight than what you say about yourself. And I think if what you're saying about yourself lines up with what other people are saying about you, that's where we aim to be. Yeah, I think that's super, super valid in the sense that I think a lot of times we spend too much time talking about ourselves and not enough time highlighting the people who've said it for us, right? Or allowing our customers and our work to speak for itself, right? Yeah. We talk about this a lot about referral strategy and like word of mouth, but word of mouth influences purchases more than any kind of advertising. Yeah. We've talked about that before. I don't remember what the billion number was, but yeah, it was, was crazy. Yeah. Billion. Yeah. Yeah. If your friend told you to go to a specific restaurant, you're likely going to go, right? Oh, yeah. Especially if I've had meals with that person and know kind of what they like to eat and they know what I like to eat and that, hey, you would like this. I'm going to trust that. I trust that. Yeah. Yeah. If you told me, go check out this restaurant right now, Andrew, I'd go there on my way home because it's good. (laughs) It's just like you telling me about the crawfish place, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hans, here in Tomball, you told me about Hans and you hadn't even been yet, but you'd heard nothing but good things. I did go last year before they did any of the build out. It was like a dirt floor 
Like it was like a real in the yard crawfish broil when I went and I recommended it to a few people. I'm like, hey, if you like like a fancy environment, this isn't your place. But the food, it's worth it. And now they've kind of they've expanded. Yeah. 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 But it's funny, though, like how you only went once, but you had such an amazing experience and you had heard from other people as well. And I heard from as many people as well. And I was able to take all of that data and say, okay, let me go. And I went and that's the best crawfish I've ever had. Like the flavor, hands down, best crawfish. Did you get any of the shrimps? I did get shrimps. I got all the different sauces that they have, yeah. which are also <laughs> so good. That's good stuff right there. There's a plug for Hans right there. That's right. You're <laughs> welcome, Hans. This podcast is brought to you by... <laughs> Unofficially. By a free 10 pound of crawfish to the team over at Beefy Marketing, please. Marcus would be so proud that we're the unofficial sponsor now. <laughs> That's right. Unofficial. Yeah, he loves that, right? We are the unofficial sponsor of Hans. Yeah, you just claim to be that. <laughs> That's yeah. right. You just they, had to claim. No Speaking affiliation at all. I just right. like it. So I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do it. I think what people don't realize either is how important, again, reputation management reviews affects and influences your overall SEO score. So... There are a lot of things that Google looks at when it comes to SEO, right? There's backlinks, there's domain age and domain, you know, authority, there's content, mobile responsive design, all these layers. Yeah, if you want more details than that, we have a whole episode on it. It's one of our first episodes, SEO. As a popular episode too. People love the topic of SEO. I think it's an intriguing I think topic. Part of it is what is it? Like what exactly is and it? And we like, answer that in our podcast episode all about SEO. So Definitely go check that out, guys. So yeah, I mean, the funny thing though is Google reviews control almost two to three of the top things that Google's paying attention to when it comes to your SEO. They're looking at the frequency in which you've gotten reviews, you know, so how many. They're looking at like timeliness or when was the last time you got a Google review, right? And then they're also looking at the score itself, right? And then all of that then affects what they call the Google Map Pack. And the Google Map Pack is if you ever Googled something like restaurants near me or restaurants in Tomball or pool cleaning company near me, and you see all the different websites that come up organically, you see the one or two that are up in the very, very top, there's the ads, but then kind of nestled right between those two is like a map with like two to three different companies' names and their phone numbers, their websites, and then a map on the right with kind of where they're located. The Google Map Pack is kind of like the best place to be organically because you've got your paid stuff, your first organic stuff, and then you're kind of listing top 10 organic stuff, right? And we've talked about that before, how sometimes those paid at the top, we ignore them because we know somebody paid for it. So that's not organic. And that's kind of exactly what we're talking about with the reviews here, that what other people say about you matters more than you paying to have your thing posted up to at the very top. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you hear a lot with business owners is like, you know, we'll talk to them about how important it is to get more reviews and things like that. And they'll be like, oh, we've already got 400 reviews. And it's like, yeah, but the last time you got one of those reviews was six months ago, nine months ago. And your last good review. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like, uh, well, it's great that you have 400 of them, but is that the old owners? Or did you pay for those reviews? Like, was that even legit? Or 300 of them are bad reviews. Like, that's not good either. Yeah. It's important to constantly be getting more reviews because it shows relevance that you are still in existence, that you are still a, a reputable and trustworthy business. Well, and, you know, with the restaurant industry and the way the economy's been the last few years, I've seen Google start to list things as closed because they haven't had a review in a while. They would say this restaurant is closed here. And that wouldn't be the case, but that's what Google would say. And I think something else people are afraid of when it comes to reviews is I hear a lot of brands and businesses say, like, make sure that my website doesn't have any of the bad reviews on it. And it's like, 
I think it's okay to showcase some of the negative reviews too, because sometimes when you see a hundred positive reviews and one or two bad reviews, at least it gives the person that is reviewing your website some context to like, are these negative reviews even accurate or true? Right. Based on all these other people that have said these other things that are counterintuitive to these negative reviews. Is this true? And it just shows that you're human too, right? Right. Can you read between the lines that, yeah, there were errors, but they fixed them or, you know, you can see that there was progression. There's not just like a downward spiral of we don't care. Yeah. That brings up another great point too, which is a lot of brands out there who are getting reviews, both positive and negative or constructive, forget to respond to those reviews. Yes. Even a simple thank you. That's right. Because it shows that you do care. Again, even if it is negative or constructive feedback, it's important to embrace that and say, hey, you're totally right. We have some opportunity there. We would love to schedule some time to talk about this with you or see how we can do better in the future or address it to some extent. And don't always push the blame. That's something else I see too. Is they get a negative review and their comment response is like, this is 100% inaccurate. This is fake. And it's like, well, you sound pretty defensive for a brand that's got a negative review. Like, There's a more courteous and professional way to handle those kind of comments. Yeah, I want to say this too here since we're kind of on that. Keep it classy. Keep it classy. Even when they're being the biggest butt in the world. Keep it classy. Uh, We had a guy on a podcast recently. What did he say? Be hard to hate. Yeah, be hard to hate. I like that a lot. Be hard to hate. Another thing great about SEO is that it kind of helps boost keywords about your business, right? If someone leaves a review and they talk about websites or they talk about SEO and I'm specifically talking about my services, but let's talk about your company. If you're a pool company and someone says, these guys do a great job with pool maintenance or spa cleaning or custom pergolas, whatever. When someone starts to Google those phrases, Google's able to scan those reviews and find your information and say, oh, based on this review, these guys are mentioning what this company does. I think that these two are a good fit. There's a match there which is going to serve your content higher up the page, right? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you got to have that to get your content up in those ranks. Is what you have to have, let me be specific. You need to have that networking aspect of it. That social media. You know what I mean? You got to have that network, that interconnectivity, the people making connections, making connections. I think that that's another important thing when you get Google reviews. And I keep saying Google reviews because it is like the number one place to get reviews. But there are a variety of platforms based on your industry and your business. It might be Yelp. It might be Facebook. It might be a specific one to your niche, like a real estate investment website or a real estate review website. Or in the case of our company, a marketing agency, a lot of us agency owners use a software called Clutch. And people leave us reviews on Clutch and they leave us reviews on HubSpot. You know, But whatever you know review site you use, it's important to know that I think overall it affects how people are going to perceive you and it's important that you share that on social media because, okay, if it only lives on Google or it only lives on Facebook it only and no one's seeing it other than when they're searching your company, like, hey, utilize that. That's what we call user-generated content. Someone said something really great about you, make a cool social graphic, post it on your page. It's allowing you to leverage that, again, like you said, you're not talking about yourself, you're allowing your customers to talk about you for you. Well, and we've said before, you know, repurposing content and say it again for the people in the back. And, you know, on the off chance that they didn't read that review, toot your own horn, throw it out there that someone patted your back. Make that known, you know, make a public decree. Back in the day, they had the town crier, right? Ringing the bell and yelling everything. I mean, that is what our social media platforms are now. It's just a digital version of that. Maybe it's slightly quieter depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Depends on which platform, right? Right. Yeah. The other thing to consider here is that reviews can play a massive role in sales. Yeah. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. They serve as that final push to purchase a product or service. Like if I'm on the fence and I'm comparing two or three companies, oh, let's just use a new car purchase as an example. If I know I'm going to get a Chevy Silverado and there's 10 dealerships in the town I live in, right? Now it's all about that word of mouth, those reviews. What was their service experience after they bought it? What was the buying experience? Was it pushy? Was it not pushy? Because at the end of the day, like we've talked about in another episode about how the modern sales process has changed, I'm already equipped to know what I want to buy. So now it all comes down to what makes the seller different, unique, more reputable, more trustworthy. And that's where those reviews really play into telling that story and sharing that narrative. I think especially if the reviews are coming from like-minded people. You know, you think, for example, one of the industries most super random for our company, but we serve a lot of veteran-owned organizations, a lot of veteran-based businesses. And with that, even though we're not veterans ourselves, because we work in that space so much and we've got so many reviews that come from those people, other veteran organizations trust us out of the gate because they're like, oh, you already work with Lone Survivor Foundation. You already work with Marcus Luttrell. And it's like, okay, if you work with those people, then I trust that you could probably handle our business. And not just that, you like you understand our business. Yeah, and you understand kind of some personality things. And, you know, there's personal issues there that you also get. And that could be a deciding factor on someone. These are my people. I want to work with them. I've said that before. You know, you've said that. We both said that. These are my people. Oh, nice. I just told someone. So I was consulting a lady the other day, a yeah. client of ours, who's wanting to get into doing actually some social media management, which is a service we do. But I was like, I don't care. You know, like, sounds cool. Absolutely. And I told her, I was like, the big thing, my biggest advice for you is, one, don't take more clients on than you can handle by yourself. And secondly, find clients and brands that you completely resonate mm-hmm. with, that resonate with you, that you understand, that you vibe with. Because the last thing you want to do is be representing a company that you have no idea what you're talking about and you're winging it every single week. Like you just don't want to do that, right? For a number of reasons. They're going to churn because they're not going to see the authenticity in the content. Mm -hmm. You're going to get burned out because it's going to start to get boring for you. You know, work with people that you like. And again, that goes back to those reviews. You know, they say the niches where the riches. When you start working with one industry, you start getting reviews from people in that industry, which allows you to build case studies. It allows you to build testimonials and reviews. I think one of the things you hear the most from, especially bigger proposals, send out a big $20,000 proposal, they're going to say, hey, do you have any references? Yeah. And it's like, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, you can check a look at our Google reviews. But in addition to that, I'd be happy to provide you a couple names of people <laughs> I think you could certainly talk to. Here's somebody that I pissed off and here's somebody that loves me. <laughs> yeah. I want you to get both sides. Yeah. Because I'm not telling you I'm a perfect person. I'm not telling you that we have the perfect system. Like we're human just like any other business, you know? What we can promise is we're going to strive to do our best. That is what we can always promise, that we are going to give it our best absolute effort. And when we fall short, we're going to continue to give our best effort to fix it. The other thing with reviews is making sure that you're putting them everywhere you can put them. We talked about it on social media, but it's also just as important to make sure that they're on your website. We have a tab on our website or you know, a menu item on our navigation that specifically says reviews. They can see all the reviews, both positive and negative on our site. In addition to that, there's a nice big button right next to it that says leave your review. So it's giving me not only a chance to showcase the reviews, but it's also giving me a chance to get new reviews on my website. In addition to that, something that people don't understand is there's this thing called markup schema. It's basically like what the code shows on the back end of a website and Google can read that markup or they can read that schema. And there's specifically a review schema. 
And if you put a good review widget on your website, then Google can actually look at that page and say, oh, look, reviews about this service. The tool that we use for our clients when we do reputation management and review management for them is not only can we create like one widget specifically for like all of our reviews, but we can also say, hey, only show web design reviews on the web design page. Only show SEO reviews on the SEO page. Because again, all that schema is helping Google piece the story together of who you are and why they should trust you for those services. Well, and it's such a big time saver to use something that's automated rather than have to go through and pick which reviews you're going to use. And, you know, to be able to sort them like that, that's phenomenal. I love stuff like that because I'm from old school web design and notepad where we had to hand code everything. I talked to a client the other day about a website. Oh, John, I got to say this to you. Yeah. I asked this client, they were like, hey, can you migrate this website over to uh, your hosting platform? And I was like, sure. I was like, is it WordPress or another CMS? And they were like, well, we're pretty sure we built it on Dreamweaver. And I was like, what? Like, how does it even still operate? You know, like that was a take back in time. I was like, Dreamweaver exists? Yeah. Like this site needs to be changed. That was funny. But, you know, the other thing too with reviews is making sure that you have a strategy in place to collect more reviews. You know, or to get more Because if you have a bunch of bad reviews, you need to replace that content. And one way to do that is by upping your game and what you're doing. But the other way is to tell people how you've upped your game, you know, to have those reviews. And be consistent about it. What I think I see businesses do all too often, and I could say we're guilty of it as well sometimes, is we're busy, 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 busy. Then we think about it. Then we ask people to leave us a review. It's nine months after the person's worked with us, so they don't necessarily remember necessarily all of the experience. So it's not like as timely, which means they might not even leave the review. Maybe they don't still have that kind of honeymoon phase feeling going on. Yeah, you kind of want to get them while they're in that. Get them while they're excited. You know, I had that experience just yesterday. I talked to two people who had great conversations with me, and I texted them both a link and said, hey, do me a favor if you don't mind and shoot me a Google review. And they were both like, absolutely. I mean... I think you're kind of explaining why that should be part of your sales process is getting people to leave a review. Exactly. Because it's only going to help influence buying decisions going forward. Yeah. And it's another thing, another talk point, another, you know, email to put your name in front of them people, your client. And one thing to consider also when you send out all those review requests at the same time, whenever you finally decide to do it and you send them out at the same time. What I've seen businesses do too much is they're like, oh yeah, we need more reviews. And they send out this blanket email to 40 or 50 people. And what they didn't realize was (laughs) two months ago, they pissed that customer off and they didn't know it. And they just asked that same customer to leave them a review. And all of a sudden, what they thought was about to be a bunch of positive reviews turned into a bunch of negative reviews. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh shit, backwards movements. And there's two things you can do to kind of resolve that. One, be more timely about sending out your reviews whenever they're still in that like positive phase. Two, If you have to send out a big blanket of review requests in the same day, drip it out. You know, there's software that helps with that. You know, that's something we do. We could pull a list of 100 people in and say, hey, only send 10 of these requests per day for the next 10 days. That way, not only are you keeping from, you know, potentially risking having too much covenant at the same time, but also when Google sees the reviews, it doesn't look like, oh, look, every review they had came in on April 3rd. Clearly, they did a big push. That's exactly what I was going to say <laughs> is that you don't have this one batch and it looks like, oh, they're paying for reviews. That's right. It doesn't look organic, right? It looks spammy. And the other thing to do is to make sure that you have a system in place that potentially protects you from those negative reviews getting posted on sites like Google. And the way you do this is implementing kind of what I'd like to consider like a buffer with like an NPS or a net promoter score system. So the software we use will actually send you a request, say, hey, John, 
we loved working with you on your last project. Would you let us know how your experience was? Just click the button from zero to 10. Tell us how we did. And we've got it set up so that anything over a seven or an eight or above, then we say, awesome, man. We're so glad we had a great experience. We'd love to have any feedback to continue to grow or get better. We would love it if you go ahead and leave us a Google review. And we then send them straight to Google. But anything that comes in under that seven, six or below, instead of then asking them to leave a Google review, because now we know they're kind of pissed off, we say, hey, what can we do to make this a better situation for you? Like, let's hop on a call and let's talk about this. So that kind of shifts it to a more internal use than an external use. That's right. But that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Negative reviews suck, but you still got to read them. Yeah, exactly. Well, and how much better would it be to turn that into a conversation between you and that person rather than having it be a billboard of how you screwed up? That's right. Like, I'd much rather fix that internally and then that customer go leave a review and say, hey, my experience started off a little, you know, rocky, but they made it right. They took care of me. They went above and beyond. Like, their customer service is exceptional. Like, that's what I want them to say. I'm okay with them putting out there that the experience didn't start great because that shows that I'm human. I've talked about that a couple times now. But it's what we do with that information after that, you know, like, did we just get rude or were we polite and respectful and take what they say and make ourselves better for our future customers and our future projects? Because I think a lot of times we get offended because we are so personal and we are so connected to our businesses when really a lot of times there is opportunity for you to improve processes and systems. And that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. You need to, I mean, we've talked about that too, but you got to know where you are to move forward. You have to know where you are. And if you don't ask, how did I screw up occasionally? You're not going to know truly where you are. You're going to have a skewed or a false sense of being awesome when you're not. That could be dangerous, personally and professionally. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, there's so much that's important about, you know, review and reputation management in so many ways for your business. And like, you know, I don't want to sound like we're just like, kind of hitting, you know, same thing over and over again. But reviews, I mean, seriously, it's the foundation of what people like think and take as the truth about your business, whether it is or it is not, which is another reason why it's so important to respond to those reviews, like whether good or bad. An interesting, you know, kind of metric is that businesses that respond to reviews saw a decrease in negative reviews. And I think it's because negative reviewers who feel seen I think start to kind of change their tune a little bit when they see that businesses are actually validating their unfortunate experiences, right? It's like when they feel heard, they feel important. And they're like, okay, like you're not just some, because it's like some businesses I feel like are so like too big for their britches and they don't respond. And it's like, yeah, like I was right in the way I was thinking because you're not even going to address this. You're not even going to help me with this. But when they feel validated and heard, all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, oh crap. Like I didn't mean – I didn't like want it to go this oh, way. And it's like, yeah. Oops. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I think the big takeaway here, I guess our growth hack is <laughs> how you can get reviews, right? And I think the bottom line is you ask nicely. Like I don't think it's that hard to get good Google reviews. I think you ask nicely. And then I think you ask in the moment. You know, again, businesses spend too much time asking for reviews after the fact. One of the analogies I used to do talk about when it comes to building email lists, I'm going to bring this up because I think it applies to reviews too. A lot of times you'll collect an email on your newsletter form on your website. And if you don't have a consistent strategy or process in place for sending out email campaigns, marketing automations, newsletters, whatever. And then all of a sudden, six months later, you decide, oh, I'm going to send everybody on my email list an email. They're going, who the hell is this person emailing me? And they might flag you as spam. The email might bounce. They might get mad because you're emailing them in the first place because they don't remember who you are per se. They don't know why they got on your list, even though they might have, you know, they were the ones that signed up your list. They don't remember it. It's almost like, I always use this analogy, it's almost like going to the bar. 
meeting a pretty girl, asking her for her name, getting her phone number, and then calling her a year later and being like, hey, would you like to go on a date? It's like, And her name saved as Girl from Bar. Like, yeah, Girl from Bar. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Girl from Bar. Yeah. As unpersonal as you could possibly get. Yeah. <laughs> who are you? Oh, yeah. We met a year ago at a bar. Yeah. What's up? It's like, I have no idea who you are. And I think the same thing is said about reviews, though. Just like it is important for you to have strategy and automation and consistency in your email marketing whenever you get an email address, it's just as important with a review. If you have a good experience with a client, if you deliver quality service, if your customer in the moment tells you, oh my God, this has been the best experience, or you guys have been so easy to work with, or someone told us how amazing our website looked, that's the time to say, hey, we really appreciate that. Like That's the kind of thing that allows us to grow our business. Would you please leave us a review? It would mean a lot and it will help us continue to serve other businesses like you. They're going to say yes, right? Because in that moment, they feel a level of need to have some reciprocity. They feel like you did something for me Sure, I'll be happy to do something for you. You've helped my business. Let me help your business. Yeah. So versus, you know, asking for like, you know, it applies to any company. You know, if you built me a beautiful fence and then six months later, you're like, hey, our Google reviews are down or I got a bad review. Would you mind going and leave me a Google review? It's like, sure, I'll do it. But it's like, I'll do it when I get to it. Right. Because you didn't prioritize it. Neither will they. Well, exactly. Versus if you gave me a beautiful fence. And then at the time when you built the fence, you said, Hey man, while we were here, we went ahead and added a stain treatment for no cost. We want to make sure you're getting the best out of your fence. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like that is so nice. Like you didn't have to do that. And they're like, Hey man, like we just like to go the extra mile. Hey, would you do us a favor? Would you leave us a review? The hell yeah, I'll leave you a review. And I'm going to put these guys went above and beyond. They gave me a beautiful fence. I would highly recommend them. You know, there is no other company to go with except for this company. Do it in that moment. Do it whenever the customer is on cloud nine, when they're happy, when they're excited. I'd go one step further and I'd say write it into your onboarding process or part of your sales process. I'd say absolutely in there. When product is delivered, you send over a review. That's right. It should be a part of, and that applies to every type of business. Again, whether it's brick and mortar, e-commerce, it doesn't matter. If somebody bought a t-shirt a week later, three days later, should we get an email and say, let us know what you think about that t-shirt. Right. Right. Same thing. Well, it can also be a sales thing. Did you like your shirt? Leave us a review. Also, check out this new shirt design that we have. That's exactly right. It boosts sales. Or showcasing those reviews. See what other people think about this bracelet, this necklace, this shirt, these shorts. All it does is helps to validate your message. I love this conversation. This was a good one. Shameless plug. You know, getting reviews is a challenge for your organization. If automating it, responding to it, utilizing that user-generated content for social media, introducing that schema to your website, adding social widgets and all that just seems overwhelming or too much. We are a marketing agency after all. Beefy Marketing is the owner of this podcast, if you will. (laughs) I'm the host. John is a host. And Beefy Marketing is what allows us to do this. So uh, if you do need help with that, check out our website, beefymarketing.com. It's in our services tab. You can call us. You can shoot us an email. You can live chat with us on our website. And we'd be absolutely happy to help you out with that. We got you. We got you. John, this has been fun, dude. It's not been just you and me in a little while. It hasn't. It's I like having conversations with you. I mean, we talk a lot. We just don't record it. But I like having these in-depth, you know, topical conversations. Discussions. That's what you call it. Yeah, discussion. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you next week. And we've got a great guest in store next week. So make sure you check them out. It's going to be a blast. And you guys don't want to miss it. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.